Hello and welcome to the Talk Today podcast. My name is Alex Salomi and I'm joined by my co-host, Justin Dickey. We're really excited for today's show. We're deviating from our usual hockey content with a special guest, former professional lacrosse player and author of Medicine Game, Delby Paulus. Delby was recently inducted into the North American Indigenous Athletics Hall of Fame, is the 2003 Tom Longboat Award winner as Canada's top Indigenous athlete, and spent six seasons in the National Lacrosse League with the Buffalo Bandits, winning the championship in 2008. Welcome to the show, Delby. Delby Paulus, thanks for joining the podcast. How's it going today? Oh, it's going well, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being here. So uh, we'll jump right into the questions. Uh, the first one we had for you was... Uh, Lacrosse has played an important role in Indigenous culture, uh, more than just a game played for entertainment. It's believed to play an important spiritual role as well. How would you describe the impact the sport has had on you and your mental health? Um, I guess the the best way to describe the the impact it's had on me is just um, it just took me you know a lot of places where I wanted to go. It, it, that's just um, I mean. As a kid growing up, I was actually more into hockey, you know, being from Southern Ontario. I, I probably liked hockey more than lacrosse as a kid. But then I met a, I met a group of friends who who um, who didn't play hockey as kids and really just start hanging out with them in the summers. And we just start playing. We were just playing backyard lacrosse like uh, constantly throughout the summer. And that was just it was just our, what we did for fun. Right. And, you know, out of that group, they end up coming like a couple of, you know, man cups and uh, and all championships and things like that. But it just guys who just got together and just had fun. And we never really looked at it as like any type of practice or anything. We didn't realize that it was making us better just having our sticks in our hands, playing lacrosse every day and, you know, um, you know, learning to throw some of these crazy, you know, backhand passes that you see First Nations players kind of get known for just the, the, the imagination and the creativity you know, that was coming out and that started with us just playing in the backyard. And, you know, of course, uh, a couple of dust ups too, of course, uh, throughout, throughout a couple of summers. So just stuff like that. So it, it um, I guess the role that it really played mental health wise was more just, it's someplace where I went, where I could forget everything that may have been going on in my life. Even when I got into like junior and senior age, you know, if things were going, weren't going well at school or at home or, you know, at, at your job, lacrosse was somewhere you could just go and just kind of hang out with the boys and just, you know, forget everything that happened. And that was, um, it, it was a pivotal, you know, it was pretty big for me to have that space where you, you know, you could go somewhere and just kind of forget everything else that was going on and just, and just play the game and, and have fun. And that was one of the things that uh, really played a major role in, in my life because, you know, those friends that I developed throughout lacrosse is, you know, are still really good buddies to this day. And, uh, and still have, and these guys, you know, some of the people that I've met throughout throughout the years of lacrosse still have a big impact in my life. You mentioned there being uh, more of a hockey fan at first. So, so what was that? How did you end up be getting so into lacrosse when you were more of more of a hockey guy? It was just, well, where we grew up, basically, it was just we didn't have summer hockey. It was just it was just hockey during winter and lacrosse during the summer. It's just just kind of the way it was right it was either lacrosse or baseball at base there us fastball is actually pretty big in uh, native communities right so uh some of the guys in our in our community played fastball some played lacrosse some played both they could i tried to play both i liked playing baseball as well too but i was just too much like commitment as far as travel wise and i had more friends that played lacrosse so 
Uh, that's kind of just how I got into it. And with hockey, yeah, we didn't have summer hockey around here as kids. It was just they took the ice out and that was it. You didn't have no ponds to skate on summer, of course. So uh, they, they just basically got into lacrosse. And uh, looking back, if there was summer hockey, <laughs> if I knew about that when I was like a young kid, that's what I might have uh, steered more towards. But uh, for me, it ended up working out better. And then uh, with, um, like I said, the group of kids that I hung out with, they were more into lacrosse. They didn't play um some of them didn't play organized hockey they played boot hockey so on the res we'd play like boot hockey just on ice right we we're just running with your uh with regular boots and shoes on so some of them couldn't skate that well because they didn't play uh organized uh, hockey so that's kind of how i just got into it with just my friends they were just more um that's the game that they preferred and and then even finding out uh, you know as a young guy i didn't really know the even the cultural aspect of it as a as a young kid and i started growing up and learning more about it from my friends and just um, hearing stories from from them and their parents and learning more about the cultural aspect of it. So that's when I really got um, more into it. And I kind of, when I got older, uh, when I was like 13, 14, I kind of realized, you know, I'm not going to, uh, hockey's not going to take me anywhere. You know, I wasn't a bad little player, but uh, I wasn't a big guy either. And back then everybody's looking for guys who were like 6'3", 200 pounds, right, all the time. So uh, I was a smaller guy. So I kind of, uh, realized that I was kind of, I was getting better at lacrosse and that's kind of the, the path that I was going to take was, uh, and if I was going to go anywhere in sports, it was going to be with, uh, with lacrosse. So that's kind of how I got more into it rather than hockey. Uh, I played some, I mean, I, I tried to play every sport I could when I was a kid. Uh, I played football in high school. I wrestled in high school and actually wrestling was probably one of my better sports when I was a kid because uh, I liked the, the, like just uh, the discipline aspect of it was really good for me and kept me out of a lot of trouble. So uh, that was one of the sports I played too in high school that uh, that, that was, was a lot of fun and made a lot of friends with. So, but uh, yeah, like it became pretty obvious in my early, I guess, teen years that lacrosse, if I was going to go somewhere, uh, you know, uh, farther, it was going to be uh, with lacrosse. So that's kind of how I, I got around it, focusing on that. Well, that's awesome. And uh and yeah, I think uh, I think that's also like it's it's one of those funny things where you know you, you you're you're really passionate about one sport and then you kind of find that other sport that really just like grabs you like yeah. it's uh, it's and 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 the impact it's had on you and and going professional the way you did too. So uh, to your point, like it's really clearly been giving you the opportunities to to go out and 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 do uh, other awesome things and um, and I think kind of tying tying the mental health aspect to sort of the work that you do now as well as uh your recent book uh medicine game uh now it's a fictional book that delves deeper into the impact the game of lacrosse has had on your life what made you want to write the book and open up about your experiences and what what can what can readers expect if they're reading your book uh i guess what they can i mean I've heard other readers, like when you read reviews or things that they've told me, even that like it's a heavy book. I mean, it's it it deals with a lot of subject that a lot of people don't like to talk about, for frankly. So uh, it can be it can be um, it's definitely an adult book, right? So it, uh, it it touches a lot of subjects that people sometimes people have a hard time talking about, and opening up and kind of talking about that stuff is what you know helps some people through and get through their mental health and even have pe having people to talk about talk about with those type of uh, type of issues i've had um, people reach out to me after they've read it and said that they've had those same type of experiences and they've never really talked about it they've never told anybody about it 
So it, it kind of does just, it kind of hits home with a lot of people, especially with a lot of First Nations people, I think. And even if they weren't, you know, necessarily lacrosse players or even athletes, they've they've been able to kind of relate to the things that are in the book. And um, I guess giving people more of a, a view of what um, life is in a life is like in a First Nations community. Uh, I've read I've read some books and watched movies, and sometimes I when I see the way that the res is portrayed, it's not exactly the what I experienced growing up, so I couldn't really relate to it. So. I tried to give more of a, I guess, just more of a realistic view of what it's like on First Nations communities, whether it's good or bad. I mean, you got to have the both. You can't have one without the other, right? So sometimes there's good, good things about living in the First Nations community, and sometimes there are, you know, some negative things that, that sometimes people don't want to talk about. So, yeah, I think just getting a first, uh, uh, a realistic view of what the res is like. And again, I've had you know, readers who've said they felt like they were in high school again, felt like they were reading, you know, they are not even from my community, but they're from another First Nations community. But they said that's exactly what, what it's like where we live, or some of the characters in the book are, you know, like people that we grew up with or that I remember. So uh, it's just something that I think was relatable to a lot of people. And for me to write it, I guess, uh, one of the ways that, one of the reasons, I guess, uh, I was going through a really tough time in my life. And I um I always had this one friend who I just who who had passed away years earlier and he's just one of those guys who could just make anybody laugh and when when he needed to laugh he could just make you no matter what kind of mood you're in right he could just he could find some way to make you smile make you laugh and I just I just missed him because it felt like I needed to talk to him or I needed to you know I wish I wish he was still around and I started writing stories about stuff we used to do as kids and the things he used to do to make us laugh. And, you know, he was kind of those guys who were just kind of, uh, you know, kind of a, kind of nuts, I guess. So, and just would do anything to make people laugh. So um, I just started writing stories about all the stuff we used to do when we were kids and, you know, things we were doing as we we're growing up. And I just started slowly developing into, in, into, a, into stories and into a book. And then, you know, I kind of just got, well, I might as well just, you know, just finish it and it took it took me a long time I, I'm, I'm not I was never I wouldn't consider myself a writer to be honest so it just it took a while to uh to to complete it I remember uh, putting it down for a bit like just the manuscript before I even turned it into a novel I originally wrote it actually as a screenplay and then converted it to a novel so it kind of took some time to begin with. and then I redid the screenplay so it's just um it was just something that you know it was more of a project that I did on the side as I was like you know, still involved in lacrosse, still, I was a, uh, I was a you know, I'm a parent, and I was, you know, uh, coaching lacrosse, coaching other sports, I was coaching hockey and wrestling too, other, other sports as well, so uh, just when I had time, I'd kind of work on it, and, you know, it, it took years to, to actually finish, because I'd put it away and not touch it for, for years, and then kind of pick it back up and look at it again, but it just kind of how it planned out is, uh, it just, you know, it kind of evolved into into more of a novel, and uh, I just wanted to uh, get it out there, I guess, and see what happens. It's more, and even more of it was just because I wanted people to kind of know about some of the, some of my friends and how I cared about them and stuff like that, and you know, some of the people in my life who touched my life that you know uh, turned me into, I you don't, know, you know, help, I guess, mold me into the person I am too today, and. Uh, some of those people aren't with us anymore, so I kind of just wanted to make sure that I kind of mentioned, you know, what what they meant to me and stuff like that.
that's a really that's a really powerful story and like a such a nice a nice tribute to some of those individuals who had that impact on your life and it's it's so cool to see how you've been able to kind of translate that into something that can maybe potentially help others in the future as well. Uh, what has it been like getting some of those responses from people? Like, what, how does that, how's that made you feel like hearing from these individuals who you've been able to kind of touch in a different way through, uh, through the book? Uh, it's actually been pretty cool. I mean, uh, some people have reached out some that I didn't know at all and they've just reached out and said that they related to it and it's helped them through some issues or they you know they, they've had those same type of experiences uh some people I actually know like the, the people that i you know didn't know were going through the same type of issues right and they've they've said that they read the book and part of it you know may have you know some a certain aspect of it may have you know they've been able to relate to so that's been uh that was actually pretty cool so it's it's not like it was uh you know, just I, I didn't I didn't know what was going to happen with it. I didn't know if it was going people are going to like it or not. I was kind of and even my own anxiety, right? I I mean, I get my own anxiety as well. I was like, I hope they like it. Like, I just kind of like I didn't want people to like you know hate. I there, I know there's going to be people who don't like it, and that's fine. I mean, I, I've kind of had to to deal with that. I think early on, I think it, I let it bother me a couple of times. Like if I if I thought that somebody didn't like it or or wasn't good or things like that, so. Uh, and, and and that's just like anything, I guess, in life that you do. And if you put it out there, right, you're going to, you're kind of, uh, I guess, putting yourself out there for criticism. And sometimes that can be hard to take, I guess, too, as well. So not everybody's going to like it, but, uh, you know, for, but I think for the people that do, the always the always the people that, you know, maybe didn't like some of the aspects that were, that were portrayed in the book. A couple of things I wanted to follow up on from, from your first answer, uh, Delby, were, um, you you said, you know, you're not really, you wouldn't consider yourself a writer. Um, so I'm just curious um, about how you like arrived, obviously with something to say and it's something you had to get off, you know, get, get off your mind. Um, how did you arrive on that medium? Like how did, like of, of that form of self-expression to, yeah. to get, get, get your word out? I think I just wanted, and then that was one of that, that was part of it too, as well as because, um, there were things that I wanted to tell people that I kind of almost couldn't like face to face or in person. So even when I did, uh, when the book was coming out, I had to go, I told my family members, some close family members that there's going to be some things in there that you might not like to see as far as my own experiences. Right. Or that might be shocking as far as what me getting off my chest too. So, um, and it was just kind of my way of, I guess, telling, some of the things that had, had happened in my life that uh, that weren't easy to talk about. So it was shocking to some people, I guess, to read some of the things that had that, that had happened in, in my life. And when they realized that, you know, that it was some of those aspects were were real, that uh, it, it was a bit of a shock to some of my family members. But it was a way for me to kind of express what I what I needed to say. And um, I guess for me, like. Uh, well, the thing is, too, I'm a, I'm a pretty bad procrastinator, so that's kind of why it took so long to finish everything, right? Because I'd kind of work on it, and I'd find I'd look for any excuse not to work on it. So it did take years and years to do, but uh, that, that's kind of why I would say I don't consider myself a writer because I don't like to. It's tough for me to do. They all, you know, I went through school, and I was so happy to get done school, and not have to do that kind of stuff anymore. I well, I thought, anyways, but uh, so to do these type of projects like that was uh 
was like being back in school again for me, I guess. And uh, but you know, as much as I as much as I sometimes avoided working on it, I'm just glad I was able to finish it. And uh, I probably put it out maybe quicker. Even there's probably a few things. Even after I read it, like reread it, I was like, ah, I probably should have added this, or maybe shouldn't have said that. But you know, there's things that. Um, that's just the way the way it went and even reading it now I could like I can tell like when I wrote that I was going through I, like and that was the thing with with writing I went through probably every emotion possible right whether it be happiness sadness you know you know all this other uh, or anger all this kind of stuff and I could tell even in my when I read it like yeah, I might have been a little bit upset that day when I wrote that kind of stuff when I wrote that but uh so and and it was it was really um it was one of the things that was more of like a healing thing for me because like i said i went through every emotion i could think of while i was writing it and it made me think about things that i hadn't thought about in years so it was kind of more of like a healing um it's probably the most healing thing i've ever done as far as like any type of mental health work um just writing that book was probably the, the best thing for my own you know wellness that that i've ever done was that what you were hoping to achieve with it going in or, and, or is that something that kind of, is that what you expected or did um, it go differently than expected? I wasn't really sure. Cause as, as I was writing it, sometimes I even thought that I didn't want nobody to, to know about this or to, you know, I, I, I did have my feelings going back and forth sometimes. I was like, maybe I shouldn't do this just because I don't want people to know the things that, you know, have happened or things like that. But uh, in the end it, it worked out where, it was good for my own mental health to, to kind of just say the things I needed to say and, and just kind of get those things out there and get that story out there, I guess. And even, even though it was some of the things weren't my experiences, there were, you know, even some fictional things that other people can really could relate to. Uh, some people mentioned about some of the other characters who had gone through like the residential school um, so that aspect of it became really powerful too, as well with some of the, some older readers who, who remembered being in residential school or had family members in residential school and could understand, um, some of the aspects of their lives when, you know, after, after those type of traumas and, or any type of trauma that people went through. So it, it uh, it kind of just evolved, like I said, and then, and, uh, it, uh, as I said, like, I just wanted to, wanted to get, wanted to had a message I think I wanted to say and you know hopefully people got you know got the message that I was trying to say and and it seems to have uh, helped a few people out anyways which is always a good thing what what was that what's the main message that you wanted to get across in the book and uh, you also mentioned uh, some there's some difficult topics that you face that you know you might not see in other forms of writing um so yeah. i just wanted to wanted to ask what was some of those topics uh people might expect yeah i guess the main message is too is like a lot of people just they just that they may have some things going on with them with mental health but you're not alone in this right like a lot of people think that i think when you're when you're going through it you think that it's only happening to me right? that i don't that nobody else seems to go through this because you you meet people who are always happy or always smiling but Sometimes those people are wearing masks that are they're just masking what's really going on inside, right? So, and I think that is kind of one of the one of the main messages that you're not alone in this, and that there is people who will listen to you, and and that's the thing too, right? Even if you're willing to finally open up and talk, you have to have someone who's there willing to listen to. So that's more of an that's just an, as an important 
uh, aspect as far as opening up what what you want to say. And I think that's where um, the character Hazel really came in um, really big in this book because she was kind of there for you know Tommy to someone that he could talk to and not just Tommy right other people other especially men in the community that in, in that First Nations community. And as far as the aspects, as far as some of the subjects, like like it does deal with um, some of the things that are far too common on First Nations communities. Um, like like there was, you know, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, uh, domestic violence, um, drinking and driving, things like that. Like all these aspects that sometimes people try not to talk about, discuss, or even, you know, or try to avoid altogether on, on First Nations communities. But there is there are things that have to be you know discussed and talked about with some of these issues that that, that affect not just young people but people of all ages on, on First Nations communities. So that's just um, I guess some of the subjects matter and it can be can be tough for people to read. I have had people say that they they were reading it and they had to stop for a bit, like they either had to put it down and come back to it because it was getting so heavy and so emotional that they could relate to it like almost too much. So. Uh, that that's just something that you know, but I guess that means, and from what they told me, that means that you're connecting with the readers, which is a good thing, right? So, um, hopefully, that that was uh, something that uh, can help people, anyways, and just and understanding that again, that they, some of these issues that happen in First Nations communities, they're not alone in in some of these things. Wow, Alex, anything to add there? No, that's such a that's such a great message, and I think it's something that that oftentimes is so overlooked is that that feeling of you know, um, you know, struggling sort of in silence and not not thinking that other people have anything wrong and and wanting to wanting to have that conversation but not being sure how to have it because it seems like everything's fine for somebody else and then you and then you find out you know other people are going through similar experiences when maybe not the same thing but but very similar experiences and it's something that we certainly try to uh try to express as much as we can as well through our work is is just highlighting that you know it's okay to talk and opening up is important and I think that's such a valuable message to share and and uh, and I think that's a great message that that your book it gets at um and then I think like when talking about when we're looking at how the subject of kind of opening up and and having conversations what was what was your kind of going back to the lacrosse days of it? What was your experience like in lacrosse opening up, having these types of conversations and then post playing career? How did you find like sort of the reception from players, uh, from former teammates, from family and so on when, when you did open up? I think it was, well, the thing was too, when I was playing, I, I never really talked about it. It's nothing that I really ever mentioned. And uh, with lacrosse, I think it was more um, it was more burnout than than even just the mental health aspect of it. It was just, and I think that's what was really draining on my mental health was the burnout. Um, even when I was a kid, like I mentioned, I liked I liked hockey. I remember playing AAA hockey, and it was just like constantly like because where I, I had to go to Brantford, which is about forty five minutes away from where I lived. You know, we were training like six days a week, whether it's dry land training on you know on ice training. Uh, all this other stuff we're doing then we have to go play like it just seemed like it was really draining for like I was only like a 12 13 year old kid and it seemed like I almost got burnt out of hockey which is almost maybe one of the things that leaned me more towards lacrosse but um, also when I got playing in, in the National Lacrosse League um, 
across isn't you know obviously isn't a you know isn't a sport we really make a living on right so you have your nine to five job when i was managing a sports store and and then i would travel to buffalo to play and then i was also playing in the summer for six nations chiefs um, I was playing for the Iroquois Nationals. I was playing for the Toronto Nationals uh, in the Pro Field League. So I was playing in about four different leagues <laughs> at once during the season, and I was coaching high school lacrosse too, right? And and I had and I was a young father. Um, I, I my my daughter was born uh, just uh, midway through my national cross league career. So it just it just seemed like I was just always getting burnt out and going somewhere all the time, and almost like I just wanted a break sometimes. So. I think that was really draining on, on my own mental health and just the constant uh, year round playing of lacrosse, because like I said, it's not like a sport you can play one league and you know, you make, that's your job. You, you have your own regular job, plus you're playing, uh, trying to make as much, you know, um, trying to play as much lacrosse you can, cause you love it, but also because, you know, they, they do pay a few bucks that helps, helps with pay the bills. Right. So uh, it can be, it was kind of a struggle and that's kind of what I think was draining on me was constantly playing a lot and especially being a like as I said a young father being away from my daughter so much I, I really got to a point where I, I hated all the traveling and I just wanted to be home with her because I was missing her growing up right and I just so those were those were some of the aspects that I think were really tough on uh, on some players just because uh, and I know it was on me I can't imagine how it was for other guys as well who were we're flying in like some guys live in Ontario and they fly into Calgary or, or, you know, or Vancouver all the time. So, um, so I was uh, just for me, it was really draining, I guess, and all the travel involved and stuff like that. It, it kind of got to the point where I just, I was losing a love for lacrosse and, and which I never ever thought would happen. I remember one game in particular, like, I think we're, we're in Buffalo and we're, we're winning by like six or seven goals. The game was almost over and like, Something happened, the refs are arguing, and I was just like, just, and I'm just thinking, like, just run the clock, let's get out of here. Like, I never used to, I never used to think like that, right? When I was like, and, and, and I could tell even just, even in my preparations for games, it was getting a little bit different uh, than what it used to be. Uh, I used to be one of those guys who just, like, I, I like listening to, like, whether it be heavy rap music or heavy hardcore metal rock, stuff like that, metal music, where I'd get fired up and I couldn't wait to play. And I was so, you know, jazzed up to, to play and stuff like that. And and then sometimes I could feel where I couldn't get into that mode anymore. And I started almost realizing that, you know, maybe I'm, you know, maybe this isn't <laughs> where I want to be anymore. But uh, it, it kind of, it kind of did, it did drain on me a bit. And then I, it's something that I never really talked about much until after I got done playing. And then when I did uh, write the book and open up about stuff like that, some, you know, teammates and and then players just said that, you know, they they felt similar about sometimes some things that I wrote about, whether it be that mostly mostly the kid stuff uh, growing up on the res and things like that. But uh, other players had mentioned like, you know, mental health worries on them as well, too. And, and I think now that stigma is kind of getting broken, which is good. I can I can say that one of the inspirations for my book uh, was Theo Fleury's book, Playing with Fire, um, especially with him being, you know, being an athlete, being a First Nations uh, athlete as well, kind of resonated with me. And when I read uh, when I read the book, it, it was just something that really, really hit home. And that was kind of one of the one of the times I was like, well, maybe I could write a book, too, as well and see what happens. Um, my brother was actually his, his favorite player, Stephen Flurry. So he's the one who gave me the book and said, like, yeah, you, should, you should check this out. It's pretty good. 
So when I read it, you know, it just hit home a lot. And it was kind of the same message, right, that, that he kind of tried to convey in his book. So it was, it was just something that was really similar. And uh, it was something that was, an I guess what I would say was an inspiration for my own book as well. How involved are That's... you in, in the cross these days? Oh, well, I seem like nonstop still. Um, I uh, I still coach a lot. I mean, I was, I think two summers ago, I was coaching like three different teams at once, like whether it be a head coach, trainer, assistant coach with somebody, right? I'm just constantly going. Uh, I, I do like to coach field right now. I'm coaching field. Uh, I'm helping out with on the management side of, uh, of the Six Nations Arrows to our junior A team. So that's been really cool. I actually, actually, um, kind of like that. I'd never really been in the management area. Uh, so after there was some turnover with, uh, with our, our junior A team and, uh, Cody Jamison asked me to, to help out with the arrows and I kind of got more involved on the management side rather than the coaching side, which I had never really done before. And, and I kind of liked it. Like I didn't mind it. Um, it's something that obviously it's, a, it's new. So I'm, I'm still learning and obviously I'm going to be making, uh, make some mistakes and then we're going to go then we'll try to do some get some positives out of things too so it's been a, it's been definitely been a learning experience so uh that management side is, is something that's been really cool but as far as uh being involved yeah i'm still uh so i still coach a lot of box i still coach a lot of field so uh usually um you know i'm at the rink or the field sometime somewhere during the during the year and and the cool thing is now, like these kids have so much, they don't think they realize how much lacrosse they have to play now, right? Because, I mean, it's fall and then there's there's a spring fall season, which I, I never played as a kid. I didn't even know about field lacrosse when I was a kid. And then um, and then there's all these other tournaments that they have now in the States that are popping up, like these box tournaments and field tournaments. So uh, kids, the kids are getting a lot of lacrosse and uh, hopefully it's not burning them out. I kind of do worry about that, like playing too much, but it seems like it's a lot of fun and and these kids, these kids love it. So I'm, I'm glad that uh, they get these kind of experiences now. So this sport's been a part of your whole life. You, you know, you grew up with it. You played at a high level and in different leagues. Now you're in kind of that coaching and management side. Uh, just with all of these experiences, have you seen a change in how lacrosse players and teams approach mental health in the game today? I think, uh, I think just athletes in general. I think people know now after some people have gone through these types of experiences and gone through, you know, lives of, of athletes. And it's usually when they're done is when they start talking about the stuff that was bothering them. Right. Cause guys don't really talk about things as much when they're still playing or guys or girls, you know, it, it affects both. So, um, and even just that pressure of guys, of, of people playing sports and going through and, you know, and being professional athletes, things like that. So, um, the mental aspect, I think, is is something that people have, have become more aware of and have opened and have, you know, coaches now and, you know, managers now will say, like, my door's open if you need to talk. And, you know, I think that's something that is, has changed over the years, whereas before it was more of the tough love type stuff, where, which is fine, too. I mean, I, I had a coach who was a tough love coach and he was my favorite coach I ever had. So uh, but he was a guy that who I could easily talk to whenever I whenever I had to. Right. So. I think coaches are understanding that more now that you're not just there for X's and O's and stuff like that. You're also there to shape some of these people's lives too, as well. And, and people are saying like, you know, as you get older, when you're done playing, like this coach had such a huge effect in my life that people are realizing that these coaches 
aren't just there for, you know, to teach them a sport, they teach them about life, life lessons and, you know, and, and just being good people as well. So I think that part of it is, is a much uh, stronger than it was years ago is, is, and these people are realizing, you know, when they, especially like college coaches, right, when they're going there, when people are sending their kids to them, that they're affecting, you know, they're shaping these people's lives a lot. So I think the, uh, the mental health aspect of coaching has, has really improved over the years. And, and, and they understand, and the coaches themselves understand that, you know, they are kind of, you know, having a big impact on these kids' lives. So they, they, are, they always open themselves up to um, having them if they need to talk and, and, and taking care of themselves first, and, you know, wellness wise, as, instead of just, you know, instead of just being an athlete. Well, like a lot of these uh, these messages around around coaching and the impact they have, and and this, and I think I think it's such a great message to share. You know, this this role that coaches can play in in the development of a of a young athlete. And you're you're now a, a child and youth counselor in the Six Nations community. How have your how have you kind of translated your experiences from kind of going the other way from playing lacrosse, and also how you in sharing your story to working with youth in the community? Well, I've kind of, a lot of time I've been working with youth a lot. Even, even when I was uh, still in high school, I was like, I, I used to do like um, sometimes like camp counseling with kids and stuff like that. And in high school, uh, I, you know, they would try to get us to help. Uh, we had a coach who, who wanted us to help with young kids. So we we'd kind of, and he wanted us to actually learn how to be coaches. Right. So we kind of just get those aspects and kind of learn stuff about being a coach and even when I was still in college when I came back I was already coaching my high school team right my old high school team so um things like that where I would just uh I guess just working in the community and being and then going into social work uh, it wasn't something I really planned on doing my father actually was a social worker uh for years so I kind of knew the aspects of it and I kind of knew how um I kind of knew the you know the impacts that it can have on kids and their lives so uh, and even just, uh, it's kind of uh, something that really helps, I guess, with me being a coach, because I have that, you know, that um, social worker and mental health worker background, uh, working with kids. Uh, and sometimes you see things going on with, you know, with kids during games or practices, like, you know, like you can, you know, maybe pull them aside and ask them, is everything okay? Like, do you need to talk or what's going on? You know, is, are, are things okay? And that that might not have happened years ago with with uh, you know people who were you know other uh, older coaches and stuff like that. But I think it's just more just being educated on on those type of type of aspects of mental health and understanding you know and even the impacts of of trauma and things like that, whether it be childhood trauma or things or anything that that happened in people's lives. So I guess um, being being a uh, mental health worker and being a coach uh, for 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 kids, I, I can kind of, uh, they can kind of go hand in hand with each other, right? And I can kind of uh, use one to help the other <laughs> type thing. So, but um, it's not something I had ever really planned on doing. Uh, I did kind of, I, I was kind of thinking about being a teacher when I was a kid. And one of the reasons was because you got summers off, right? <laughs> and you guys, and you could go play lacrosse. I don't know, guys, and I, I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of uh, NLL guys are teachers, right? Where the, So they can play the NLL during the, you know, during the school year and then in the summer, they'll go play in BC or somewhere else, right? They can go play lacrosse when they want, but or where they want to. So that was kind of something was a, a goal of mine as a kid, but things didn't work out that way. 
I kind of went, I kind of went in the other direction where I was uh, managing a sports store for a while. And then I got into uh, social work and went back to school and kind of, and got my degree and stuff like that. And so, um, but as far as like, yeah, tying mental health in with coaching, it, it kind of goes hand in hand, I think. So it, it is something that, that does help out, I guess, in, in certain aspects. Uh, for folks listening to the podcast, where can they find your book and where, what are some of the ways they might be able to connect and learn more about you? Uh, well, the book they can buy on Amazon. Uh, that's where most people have been getting it. Amazon, iTunes, Barnes and Noble. It's available in, in all those, uh, at all those places. Also, I, uh, it's kind of local to Six Nations too. There'll be some stores here and there, but for the most part, people buy it off Amazon. So that's probably the best place to go and get it um i'm usually just on uh social media i mean i i did you know i did have my social medias to kind of advertise the book so i'm usually uh check it stay up to date with it so people usually connect with me that way whether it be through like uh facebook instagram uh even twitter whatever stuff like that so i'm usually pretty pretty easy to get in touch with uh and i do sometimes you know have to do do some uh speaking and stuff like that on the book because there were book clubs and stuff like that they they read the book which was actually pretty cool where somebody their book club read the book and then they had their questions and stuff like that so that that wasn't bad i i, I didn't mind doing that stuff at all either so but uh yeah to connect with me it's usually just social media is pretty usually the easiest place and i did throw a, a hail mary out on twitter to try to track you down at work so <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we can awesome. speak to that <laughs> it works exactly well, I mean, I think this has been so great and it's been great having you uh, on the podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time and coming on and sharing your story. Are there are there, are there, there any other messages, anything you'd like to kind of convey to readers or sorry, listeners out there uh, of our podcast? Uh, and and yeah, we'd, we'd love to love to chat with you again sometime. Okay. Uh, yeah, just uh, I'd love to talk to you guys again. That's fine. I, I enjoy doing this stuff. And uh, the thing is, too, with uh, I guess the message I always like to tell kids, like especially parents, too, is just have fun, right, with sports. I mean, I, I mean, people are always thinking, you know, their kids are going to play professional sports or going to play in Division One NCAA, something but like that. But, you know, the, the, the best things that came from my life as far as sports had just been the friendships that I developed and just having fun. Right. And that was I, I think that's always sometimes overlooked but that's I think that's the most important part of recreational sports or competitive sports is just the bonds that you can develop with with friends and coaches and people you meet I mean my kids now um it doesn't matter where we go I I they're like how do you know everybody <laughs> because I run into somebody I know no matter where whether it's on a lacrosse field a cross rink whatever and they're just like, how do you know everybody? Like, I just played on so many teams and met so many people that, you know, whether it's, you know, the player themselves or their friends and family and stuff like that. So it, it's the, it's kind of those those bonds and relationships and, the, you know, and those uh, those people that you meet that, uh, that, that really help, uh, you know, and that's kind of what makes sports worthwhile, I think, when you look back on it. I mean, you don't really, you know, the champion, any type of championships are great and all these, you know, maybe awards are cool and stuff, but it's those friendships and, and bonds you form with people and teammates and stuff like that, that, that are, you know, really worthwhile and, and what really, you know, are there in the long run. So, yeah, as far as the messages go, I'll just say have fun and make friends. I mean, that's, that's what I really, that's, that's what I think sports are supposed to be there for in the first place. 
you know, getting some exercise, have fun. And uh, I think that, I think that's something that uh, sometimes gets overlooked, but I hopefully, hopefully that's uh, stuff that kids can, you know, look forward to and, and, and get, you know, playing sports. I love it. I want, uh, I want this clip to be shown to every parent who thinks <laughs> their 12 year old is going to play in the oh, NHL. Man. I know. I, I know exactly what you're saying. And it's not just yeah. hockey. Right? It's every sport you play in. I mean, I've coached in, I'm, I'm, you know, I've coached in wrestling and baseball and, you know, some parents get, uh, get a little bit, uh, a little bit too crazy with stuff like that, but, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully people can, you know, realize that, you know, sports are supposed to be fun in the first place. And, you know, those bonds that you you make as, you know, with, uh, with those friends is, is probably the most important part of it. That's a great message. Thank you so much. Yep. No problem guys. Just want to say thanks again to Delby for taking the time to join us and share his story. Yeah, that was a really great interview, Justin. I mean, it's uh, it's a little different from what we've uh, what we've had so far. Obviously, with Delby sharing a lot of his uh, personal experiences, both uh, in the game of lacrosse as well as his personal experiences with mental health and and his mental health challenges, and uh, and it was really interesting to hear how he took those experiences and was able to channel it into sort of a positive medium where he was by writing his 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 book medicine game and and uh sharing his story in uh in somewhat unconventional way but a very thoughtful way yeah and my takeaways were it was really nice to hear uh of someone who uh has kind of lived that sports lifestyle been a jock his whole life and kind of takes off the mask now and you know shares his story about his own challenges so that's uh it was really nice to see and uh obviously you know taking it making his career as a as a youth counselor um unique i think in some ways so uh it was great to chat with him and uh yeah he he offered to come on again so uh we'll see if uh if we have more to tell down the road yeah i really hope we can get him on again uh, it was a really great interview um for those, uh, for those who are interested in learning more about the Talk Today program, this year is Talk Today's 10th season in junior hockey. Uh, to learn more, you can visit us at www.talktoday.ca, and you can also sign up for updates on the program. Thanks for listening.